and uh, hello and welcome to Aviation Night by Aviation Zorro. I'm delighted to welcome a man of very many talents, a musician, former air steward and author of Journey of Reluctant Air Steward, Mr. Simon J. Martin. How are you, Simon? Hey, David. Uh, nice to talk to you and hello to everyone out there who might be listening. No problem a... at all. And uh, how are you getting on today? It's a lovely day down here. I'm just outside of Bath in Somerset in the west of England. Glorious day. Very unusual circumstances, of course, with all of us kind of penned in. Uh, but uh, my family and I are managing a daily walk about 3 p.m. Uh, I kind of wind down work. I tend to start early on my laptop and then uh, wind it down for about three and then we all disappear out to catch some summer sun. I can't say I work too hard, but hey. No, that's it. So we'll, we'll let you know. We'll, you can fill in all the listeners now of your your life and your journey and be able to find out and compare their own lives and see how 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 well you fared out over the time. So generally, uh, Simon, let us know, what was your first time that you actually fell in love with aviation? What, what was it that actually said, oh, wow, this is kind of a nice industry I want to be involved in? Right. Well, probably like a lot of a lot of people out there, I had a childhood infatuation with aeroplanes uh, and it grew into my teens. Every, every time a plane went over, I had to know what it was. I even put my hand through a window once, my bedroom window, because I was desperate to see what was going over. Uh, it was um, I, my mum and dad used to take us on holidays. My dad's uh, from just outside of Venice <clears throat> and uh he, he and my mum used to take me and my sister on holidays to Venice uh, uh, once a year and we'd normally go July or August. They closed down their restaurant and um, I just used to love going to Heathrow. It was in the days when uh, I, I'm a child of the 70s, so we, I can always remember the distinct smell of kerosene at, at Heathrow Airport. We used to hop on either an Alitalia 727 or DC-9 or, or maybe a, a BA trident or something you so you can imagine the era but it was yes. just the smells the noises the, the 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 things that you could kind of sense were going on behind the walls at, at Heathrow or Gatwick wherever we went from and I took this right into my young adulthood and who I am now I've still got a fascination with the industry I'm out of it I must make that clear yes. uh, but um, I it's never really left me I mean someone in my book uh i got married in 2006 lovely wife helen i've got four kids far too many kids for anyone but i've still got four kids <laughs> two two are step boys but hey it's still four yes and um at our wedding reception um my two best mates bought me a a wing section of a i think it was a dan air scrapped 727 i think it was an aileron and everyone was writing their messages on the on the wing on the wing section with permanent marker and two messages stood out one of them said i told you he wasn't gay and the <laughs> other one the other one said the flying will never leave your blood sign oh, right. and, and it's true it's true both those statements were true uh, they uh, but the flying hasn't left my blood even though i'm doing completely different things now Sure. I still look up in the air. I haven't smashed any windows trying to see what planes are going over, but I still look up in the air. I've still got an airband radio that everyone in my family hates me using because it goes <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> if you, if, I tell you what, if you know the ones I mean, it's a Loitron. Loitron, who are they? And yes, it's so, who are, explain who are they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, no one really knows, but it was an analog one. And, and literally, it's not like the proper airband receivers that you can get you know where they that you've got this it has a squelch control but it's a rubbish squelch control and all you're going to get there is the whole time until you happen to catch the snippet and it's usually the end of conversation say for example shamrock 723 
and but where's the air traffic controller right no it's not it's not powerful enough for that anyway i transgressed but no that's fine so what, what was your favorite aircraft so you were saying you're looking in the sky and you mentioned a couple of aircraft there the 727 and what mm. what what was your favorite anything in particular any boeings or <clears throat> well this is going to be ironic but i always loved the tristar oh wow okay and i never we used to go uh to faro uh in portugal a, a few times um i can remember a couple of family holidays over to there my dad had discovered this particular hotel there when he was younger and so he thought i'll take them i'll take them back over anyone knows it called vasco da gama as in the uh the explorer all right and i'll have I to trust going, you on that one well, yeah, yeah, Google do, it. do, do. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Anyway, and uh, it, and the TriStar was captivated me. I loved the shape of it, and, uh, and you know, we used to do flight deck visits. Uh, you know, it was in the days when you could visit the flight deck um, years years before all that crazy stuff happened, and uh, it was just that particular plane captivated me. I never would have dreamed that within a decade or two I'd have actually been working on TriStars. Uh, and it was just something about something about the shape, the capacity. I love any any old aircraft, any vintage airlines. I think modern airliners they're great and they're so sophisticated. They're packed full of technology, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but they can be a bit lacking in personality. Let's say right. they they use your tube. There's your engines. Off you go. Yes. But the, the, I like the old kind of smokers. I shouldn't admit to it, but I love the old seven three two hundreds, the ones that used to crackle and roar. Yes. I, I love uh, love seeing pictures of seven oh sevens and DC eights. Yeah, maybe they're a bit personality less. Maybe they were at the time, but there's just something about them that captivates me. The romance, pretty much the romance <clears throat> of aviation, is. as you mentioned there, with the uh, the old type of aircraft or. It's uh, yeah. the TriStar was one of those aircraft as well. Where you did, you know, it kind of it gave you that kind of nice feeling, I suppose, when you arrived at the airport and you see this wonderful mm. metal bird just sitting mm. there waiting to bring you on your holidays. Yeah, yeah, it does bring back a lot of memories. Love it. So eventually, then, so you've obviously fell in love with aviation at this point, and then when did you decide to join the airlines, or what was it that said, "Oh, look, I'm I'm going to apply for this company or that company"? Right. Well. I, I'm a musician. I mean, this is like a lot of uh, pilots and, and cabin crew. I've, I've realized that over the years, there's a lot of people who are, uh, who are gifted with a musical talent or um, acting or drama and among many other things, uh, or just making music, uh, you know, in their bedrooms, whatever. And uh, up until I'm still a musician, I still play and record. I teach drums mainly. Uh, but I, uh, there was a, there was a point in my early twenties. I was starting to break through with some bands. We were never signed, but I was starting to play all around the country. And then my sister twisted my arm. She said, "Look, it's now or never. We're going to work on the Greek island. I'm I'm going over to Santorini, where we've been on holiday the year before, me and some friends." And she said, "I want you to come. And what I want you to do is stay out there and work a season." I thought, "I can't do that. What about music? What about my friends? What about this? What about that?" I made every excuse under the sun until I finally committed myself to a ticket with Virgin and um, stayed six months over on Santorini working. And it was one of the best experiences. I really found myself. And when I, when I left there at the end of the season in October, I thought, well, I'm going to go back to the restaurant I was working, but something had shifted in me. And I thought, do you know what? I fancy just trying to apply for the airlines. It kind of makes sense of where I am sort of customer centric got some catering background behind me a willingness to travel i'd probably make an excellent air steward 
Sure. Um, that was that was uh, late '95. So I started applying, sending out applications. I think at about sort of November, December, January, and I got my first few bites. And finally, after eight goes, I got into my first airline at Gatwick on well, Tristars. So eight attempts. I mean, and none yeah. of that put you off. You kind of you were so determined, you know, yeah. to follow this dream. Yeah. Well, you see, I, I used to have long, curly, dark hair, and I, I chopped all my hair off, so I must have wanted this cha- this change badly. <laughs> and I thought, well, now there's no turning back. It's going to take me another two years to grow my hair. Right. You know, it's going to take me another year to get to King John haircut, like, <laughs> like you see on the Hollywood films. So, I, you know, I'm committed now, <laughs> even if it was just for the haircut. <laughs> <clears throat> Very, very good. So then, yeah, so then you, you, on the eight attempt, then you said you, you succeeded. So yeah. how, I mean, just to give a bit of uh, feedback to our listeners, generally, you know, you've shown a, a never die attitude or, you know, keep following your dreams. Was there any mm. point you said, oh, Jesus, I'm not going to bother with this. I'm going to go off and do something else. Or, you know, was was a passion just to alive that, you know, no matter what, you're going to, you're going to do this. Yeah, once I got in, I I've got to be honest. I fell in love with it. Uh, I don't think I'll be the only one out there who's fallen in love with the airline industry. Uh, it uh, the uh, the first airline I worked for, it seemed to be all taped up behind the scenes, and even though a lot of people be horrified, <laughs> that I thought it was brilliant. It appealed to my sense of humour. I mean, right. in, in the book, I, I talk about a guy. I mean, when people talk about delays. A delay to me is not half an hour. That's normal. But yes. the sort of delays that we were having in season 96, no word of a lie, the average delay was seven hours. Oh, wow. Okay. So we were continually, you know, I might be on standby. I might have something on my roster. I might get a call from Ops saying, oh, check-in's now being revised from 0600 to uh, 1100 local. And yes. even then we didn't know who we were going to go. And so the amount of changes that I had, um, and and it, there, there was one one plane journey that was delayed by twenty six hours. So they put the they put all the the packs in um, hotel accommodation overnight, and so that was fine. You know, no one was RC or anything when they came on board. You know, they kind of accepted that they were going to go a day late. And um, <laughs> this was the funniest thing I can remember, clear as a day, beautiful sunny june morning at gatwick sun's out and uh we're all ready to go and then this ba engineer walks through he's got a couple of colleagues and he walks through the forward cabin of tristar so there's 120 people just in that forward cabin approximately waiting to go all strapped him which is waiting to close up doors and he shouts across the cabin to someone unseen he goes it's all right reg i've fixed it <laughs> but he was carrying the longest screwdriver i have ever seen Right. It was, it was, I'm, I'm not joking here, David. It was about a meter long. And I just shoved myself in the, in the, in the central galley, the mid galley. And I just burst out laughing. I thought, what on earth is everyone thinking? 26 hours later, and he shouts out across the reg carrying this enormous screwdriver. And that plane, that screwdriver fixed the plane. What on earth? Uh, but it was just <laughs> moment, moments like that that you remember, you know. So delays were just so commonplace. But back to your question about falling in love and falling out of it, I think it's it can be easy to fall out of it when you're awoken at 3 a.m. off standby or the, the worst mooded I've ever been. I'm, I'm normally really even tempered. 
um, unusual for a senior as well, actually. But, sure. <laughs> but <clears throat> I remember getting called out. I, I'd gone to a party on New Year's Eve and it wasn't an outrageous party. It was just with some friends with, you know, it was quite grown up and it was all great and singing, um, oh, what's that, old Lang Syne at midnight and everyone was happy. But I just knew, I knew without fail that 0500 when my standby started, I would be called. And I was really peeved at 5 a.m. There's Graham. Well, morning, Simon. We've got a flight for you. I said, oh, gosh. And it was, a, it, was a, it was a Dublin, Amsterdam, I think it was, or an Amsterdam, oh, Dublin. Yeah. Yeah. But it, was, it somehow equated to a 12-hour day because oh, there was right. a long split in the middle. So it should have been London, Amsterdam, London. But, of course, what would happen at Amsterdam? There was a problem with the tug. Oh. So there was an, there was an hour delay on pushback. Can we tell uh, the listeners what a tug is? We, we keep oh, a tug. Here. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tiny, the a tiny thing, little... The thing that, that pushes the airplane back. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they're weirdo. They're, they're, they look like a crushed juggernaut. They're, they're yeah. great. And they, the wheels are bigger than... Uh, the, the, almost bigger than the height of the vehicle. It's unbelievable. You've got the scene to believe in. Yeah. But yeah, there, there was a problem with that. And, and, and I remember seeing... I'm a, I'm a biker as well. And I can remember someone on a GS 1200 going by and I, I relayed that back to my friend and he said, how do you remember this stuff? Mm-hmm. And I suppose it's this photographic memory that has enabled me to, to do my writing. Uh, I, some, I sometimes think, oh, what can I do with that analogy there? Oh my gosh, I remember that, that happened there. And it'd be so pinpoint. Ask me, my short-term memory is short. My wife asked me, you know, what about, uh, where, where are we going tonight? I can't tell you that. What did you do yesterday? I have no idea. I think I went to work. But long term, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> Probably the too many early mornings. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Yeah. But that was that was the only that was the only time I ever fell I fell out of love when I was called out on standby on New Year's Day. I was just knackered and I wasn't really into it. it is I, standby a strange thing though? And I think, I mean, how did you find yourself? Because although the standby was pretty much, I wouldn't say a day off, but it's, you know, if you didn't get called, you you were free, so to speak. But mm. as you mentioned already, there was that mentality of you know, how dare they call me on my stand? I'm yeah. in the back garden here relaxing, you know. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, how did you find that one? I mean, did you ever cope with that? <laughs> yeah, I just took my guitar out in the in the garden, played my guitar until the phone went. And it was in the days just before mobiles became kind of widespread and um, affordable. So you you had to sort of be within earshot of a landline. I coped with it. And actually, I would have preferred to have been called out so that I, I would actually be doing something. The best call out I ever had, I, I worked out of Heathrow more recently until about 2012. The best call out where it really worked in my favor was I was called out for a long haul. I had three, I had something like seven days of standby in a row. Right. Seven days, what on earth? Something was called you out. and rostering, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this was brilliant because you could not have planned this better. I was called out at something like 9 a.m., for a three-day Rio. Yes. So three days away, and somehow or other, I can't quite remember the actual rostering, but it knocked all the other days out into days off. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> so I did my work, not particularly difficult, came back. I mean, there's some, a few things to say about that particular flight. I, I couldn't have predicted what would happen on that flight. but um, it, That's it for another wasn't... time. That's for another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Keep them salivating for more. Yeah, well, that's that's on page 172 if you're interested. (laughs) (laughs) Or something like that. But yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, and this I've got I've got an extra few days off. This is great. I mean, that was unusual, let's be honest. Sure. Um 
But yeah, I think I think most people now be like, what? What 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 is he saying? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think. How did you find yourself? I mean, it, it's we you know we, we we chat about like crew control and rostering in different departments within within the industry itself. But I think mm. you mentioned there, you know, you get the call at three o'clock in the morning, like, hi, you know, hi Simon, how are you? You know, you oh. go here, and I, I feel, yeah. I mean, I don't know about yourself, but I feel that they do have a very difficult job because they're trying yeah. to keep the the show on the road so to speak and you know but then there has to be that understanding i think which may not be still there that the different roles and responsibilities within within the industry so you might have your cabin crew your pilots you'll have your engineers Mm -hmm. and we all specifically were very focused on our own role but we're not really fully aware of others what 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 would your take on that be well i'll give you an analogy on that one I i think it might be a good one i for the first three years of being in the airline industry, I worked for three airlines, so two six-month contracts, followed by, um, I was a couple of years with a scheduled carrier, scheduled BA um, franchise out of Gatwick called City Flyer. I absolutely loved City Flyer. Um, there was one, air, one airline that I really didn't like, um, and they don't exist anymore, but they're called something else. But, okay. uh, but that was just a... But, but, uh, <laughs> but I left there after five months. Um, it was just too stiff and too regimented. I mean, um, someone said they're called air too strict. They're called other other things as well, which are far nicer. But yeah. Right. Um, but I after that, I ended up working on the ground as a dispatcher. And I believe you've dispatched as well, haven't you, David? Oh yes, yes. Yeah. I um, I was one of those wonderful people that jumped from airplane to airplane yeah. to get the airplane pushed back on on time you know burn some yeah. calories <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i absolutely loved that job and you know within cabin crew circles especially you this, this there was always this tension inside me because as as much as i i enjoyed the role you know let's be honest there's days where it's really dull and yeah. boring and you just carry on and, and you do the best job you can and you get off and you fill in your paperwork and you go home. Great. But I always felt that there was an attitude sometimes with, with some cabin crew that we are, you know, we're the glam ones, we're the, the, although there's nothing very glamorous about it, but we're the kind of top of the pile. But no, 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 hang on a minute. You have no idea. I was astounded at how many cabin crew have no idea of the widespread um, efforts or teams well behind the scenes not even at the airport that would that would be a component part of getting an airplane off the ground you know everyone from ticket sales planning strategic forecasting um engineering in in advance and i saw this when i when i dispatched at bristol i was i came yeah the the whole lot the exactly the, the, the <laughs> you yeah, the toilet truck they always stay clear of the toilet truck just in case i had a spillage <laughs> uh, the, the, the caterers the lot the lo- the 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 baggage loads everyone and you've mm-hmm. you've done you've done a lot of these roles yeah and and i was and i i've seen it a few times um you know from people who they they wouldn't have the comprehension and it was just be totally focused on their own role i understand that but I think what I had was, and I think you'll have it too, David, and there'll be loads of guys and girls out there who'll appreciate what I'm saying. When you step back and you and you come out of that flying role and, and you work, especially on the ground, and you're part of operations, then you'll see a much bigger picture and it enables you to understand fully what goes on into getting your flight off. 
and I, I had semi, not even arguments. I was, I was but like I said, very mild mannered. Um, but I would stand my ground sometimes with with people. You know, there might be an inbound plane coming to Bristol from Edinburgh, and someone's like, "Why are we late, Simon? Why? What's going on? You know, why why can't operate ops get their act together?" And I said, "Well, actually." We're waiting for Yankee Sierra to come in from Edinburgh, four transfer passengers waiting who have to get on this. We're waiting for engineering spares at the moment. It should be another 10 minutes. And um, also, as you know, we've got a slot. So we've got sure. a little bit of time to play with. So there's, there's just the unseen realm. And, you know, I, I'd had a particularly hard day once um, at Bristol where it had been snowing all day. I shouldn't have even come into work for my 12-hour dispatch uh, shift. And I nearly crashed on the way twice. The snowbanks were unbelievable. But I made it there and nothing was going anywhere. It was also the day when I was doing a lot of handbrake skids in the company fiesta on the apron. And that was just the best. <laughs> don't um, try this at home, children. <laughs> no, don't try it at home. I, I, you know, I, was, I, was, I went back to the girls on the ticket desk. I, oh, I was copying an engineer who'd done it as well. He took us around in his Volvo. I did it in the fiesta. I nearly rolled the blooming thing over. <laughs> but did I learn? Not a sausage. No. Anyway, um, and the girls back at Tigger Desk, I said, this is so much fun out there. She goes, we know security were watching on their cameras. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean, I I, I think what, what worked for me is that I, I managed, in, even in some small way, to actually appreciate what goes on in, in getting an airplane up in the air, not just the being on board, not just the flying, not dishing out the tea and coffee, not just cabin secure. It, it's the whole thing. There's a monumental effort involved in getting any airplane up in the air, on time, loaded correctly, the lot. So how did you find then, so now, as you mentioned there, you've, uh, you know, you applied to the airlines, you got through the system. So how did you find the training? Best training I ever had was with my first airline. They actually said to me at Caledonian, this training, I'll never forget it. She goes, this training will set you up for life. And I thought, and I was wide eyed. I thought, how really? Okay, bring it on. Uh, Well, actually for three weeks of training, they compacted so much into it. We were actually, I'm a visual learner. I I, I respond to visual stimuli videos a lot. And we had so many videos from everything from airline disasters to how to present yourself in the cabin, uh, your persona, um, how your persona at seat number, uh, adjacent to seat number two, will probably affect someone sitting at seat number 26. Because in an airplane where there's, for example, no IFE, no in-flight entertainment, the crew of the entertainment, there's nothing else to do apart from look out the window or drink G&T. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, in a basic, in a basic setup, it's, I, I've seen so many times how a bad flight can be turned around by the attitude of the crew members on board and it's infectious and it stems. And that's what they drilled into us there at Caledonian. Sure. And all those years later, when I ended up working for the national flag carrier, they didn't tell me anything that I necessarily didn't know already, apart from a couple of things, um, aircraft specifics. But I, I put two and two together. I thought it's the impact of the senior cabin crew member on the crew and on the passengers. It, it's, it's like a transference effect. And I realized that the senior is pretty much the one who's going to affect everything. With the atmosphere of the day, so yeah, as well as yeah, because if you don't wind your crew up, if you treat them respectfully, if you um, don't lord it over them, 
I've been a junior as well. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be, have horrible seniors, wagon dragons, or whatever they were called. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and you, you're petrified. Could you not support you see, wagon dragons and aviation? <laughs> yeah, we don't need any more of them. <laughs> but, but, you know, you see the name on a roster, you think, oh, I'm going to have a great day. Um, I bet there's stories in the book about that. Uh, one, one story in particular, I'll admit it goes on for about four pages too long, but you, it's just to paint a picture. Sure. Of, and, and so what, what I aim to do uh, is, you know, in writing is to say, look, I'm not going to portray a picture that is fake. I'm just going to tell you exactly what it was like, whether it was great or awful. Sure. And in my last airline, I had to walk away from it because I just thought I can't do this anymore. But training, brilliant. Airline training is superb generally. Um, it just so happens that the best training I had was the first of the five airlines I was with. And probably the most enjoyable as well because the um... – it's all new. You know, it's new. It's like a new yeah. sports car, so to speak. And you get the second one, it's like, oh, I have one already. But I think, as you said yourself, it's <clears throat> it's uh, the excitement is there and you can't wait. And it, I, I don't know about yourself, but you find that when you're in this batch or this group of people that you're training with, they're like friends for life. Yeah. You'll, you'll always keep in touch with them and they'll always have your back. It's kind of a weird, it's mm. a weird, um, it's a weird system. Yeah. I don't know. Did, did you experience, I experienced that myself, like people that yeah. I've trained with maybe 20 years ago i'm mm. still in touch with and they yeah they're, they're like they're like good friends that you can depend on it's really strange yeah yeah I've, I've still got a handful of people i keep in contact with sometimes you know life you you just end up your separate ways and you know i'm gonna be 50 don't tell oh anyone. dear the big five don't tell anyone and I, I actually do that the problem is david i actually do look 50 now i mean it's like someone said the other day oh helen look at you you can't have an 18 year old you're too you're too looking young looking and then they look at me and say simon on the other hand <laughs> where do we start with simon <laughs> yeah where do we start with it for a start dye your hair i actually did dye my hair a couple of years ago i, I trained i retrained to be a lawyer all right. Uh, and I, I did my legal practice course and exams. And I, I'm not a lawyer. Okay. I'm not bright enough. I'm, I'm not the sharpest tool in oh, the box. Don't, don't put me. yourself down. That's it. Oh, that's, that's their okay. job. <laughs> I think, yeah. Ask me anything. Ask me anything. No, the, answer will be, the answer will be no. no. <laughs> I can't remember. No, um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cuff me now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was me. Thank well, maybe you, it wasn't man. me, but it was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I mean, you mentioned there between yourself and your wife. I mean, do you think that the years you've experienced in aviation has anything got to do with that? That, you know, you mentioned there, you might be, I know you're 50, but you're feeling yeah. a little bit older or you're looking older than, than, than your, uh, your friends or family members, or do you just think it's the case? For, it's just part of life. It's just part of life, but I think flying keeps you young. Music keeps you young. Flying keeps you lung. young. Young, <laughs> yeah, long. Give me a lung. Ho fung dung lung. See, we could get on a tangent quite easily. But yeah, I mean, Ed, I'm, a, I'm a part. All, all these things that I've experienced have become a part of me now. And even Dan, I think, think hopefully you guys out there will find this interesting. But there's something about the training, and you must experience it as well david you know being a front ender you're trained to such a level um you know fire drill this um oh, yeah. reject to take off that uh um wind shear let's think of anything you know yes. your 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 reactions and and uh, you know alternative uh, landing uh, landing zones like alternative airports to airfields to land at emergencies contingency fuel a lot but i found that that 
I went to see a counsellor once I'd left the airline industry. I felt really unsettled. It wasn't that I'd left, but it was what I was actually doing to pay the bills. Because, you know, with a family, suddenly vumph is not just me I have to look 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 out for. It's I stepped out into into a risk where I, I set myself up as a, a, a self-employed drum teacher, cycling instructor. I was doing some catering work on the side. And I've never really found um, my identity. And I'm starting to get a bit more comfortable in my own skin. Sure. Um, but uh, so I've just lost my train of thought there. What on earth was I talking about? You were talking about generally your training with regards to yeah, training, so training, high standards. That's like putting exactly. fire holes in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I I found that that I went to this counsellor and he told me he said, "Do you know what? Listening to you, you're hyper vigilant, and I've got to blame the airlines for that. You're." you know you're checking passengers through a door good morning sir good morning mrs so and so there's your seat and there's that you're you're watching everyone and yeah. you're watching for the pink or the red bell in the ceiling to go off or you're aware that um you're down to your last few what if there's a fire what if there's smoke what if there's a uh, a ground evacuation what do they call that ground evacuation um an un, unplanned yes um, you know Planned where you unplanned. just yes yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but, are we but going to train scream so- or are we not going to scream? That's probably the exactly. Best. Yeah, I, I always plan for the scream option. It's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> scream option. Yeah, press the button. Off Just we go. Out to go. Yeah, I think, even, I think even with the um, the uh, the passengers as well. I mean, I think you mentioned there that uh, when you went to speak to somebody that you know there's a bit of Hollywood involved, I suppose, in the job also. Is that no matter what type of day you're having as an individual, maybe you're having problems at home with the missus or hmm. the kids or financial difficulty, you must go to work and have this kind of like Hollywood mask or face on you. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I think, for example, cabin crew are, are chosen really for their cheerfulness and you know, dispositions. And they'll be, I put in the book, they'll be as uh, cheerful at the, the end of a duty as they were at the start, mainly because they're going home. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I just need to get into the presence of any people. I could be walking down my quiet little road here and, and see old blokey who's carrying the newspaper. And I just smile instantly because I recognize that guy. Hello, morning. I have no idea who you are, but it's just great that you're holding your newspaper every single day. <laughs> just just to interact with anyone makes me makes me smile. There's people who pee me off as well, but you've got to contain that. And um, but but generally, yeah, it is a bit of a show. And actually, another thing I put in the book, so we talk about this blooming book, Journey of Reluctant Air Steward, all good outlets by Simon J. Martin. <laughs> well, that's it. But don't tell them too much. Then you need to get them to buy it. Yeah, no, no. I, I probably, I probably, guys, I've probably told you about a fifth. No, I'm joking. That's it. Yeah. There's, yeah. <laughs> no but, more conversation but, over. Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but you know, um, you you just get on with it. There's there's a bit of a show. But, but one thing I do say is that I have utmost respect. I I admire. I I think it's fascinating how captains and first officers can retain all this information. Fly. I know it's every day you guys do it. I think is fantastic at the levels of detail you've got to know. And when I came in into the flight deck for a bit of a reprieve, I was astounded by all the dials, you know, the the displays, the Honeywell systems, whatever, where we're going TCAS, the lot. Yes. And yeah, I suddenly it suddenly dawned on me that pilots, when you come out of the flight deck and you come into the cabin, you see us about our work, 
you've probably got in a different way a deep respect for the work that we do which ensures our cheerful personalities and and so-called hollywood <laughs> will ensure that people will come back and fly with our carrier again and again and again because we've done our damnedest to make sure that you've had a good flight not always oh, possible is. i mean there's no no matter what's going on now with this the coronavirus i mean there's no mm. there's no airline without the people that's in it and i think it's, yeah. it's, you can have airplanes you can have fuel um you know you can have a system in place you can have authority you can have regulation but unless mm. you have the wonderful professionals within the industry um some of which you know you've mentioned or some that have not been mentioned you really don't mm. have an airline and it's no. it's um you know I, i'd recommend it to anybody the industry i think it's it's I've, I've enjoyed it i've had a wonderful time in it i'm sure mm. i know you've 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 had your experience your your positives also yeah. um and i would i just keep it you know I'd, I'd i'd say to anybody please please you know join the industry obviously now being realistically it's probably not the best time to join but in yeah. the future like anything else it'll it'll improve and things will turn around yeah yeah it's a, it's a great industry to be in i mean it does color you I, I i mean people are probably wondering oh my gosh you you to to write a book you must have you must have loads and loads of stories you must have loads and loads of flying experience well I can I can write a bit. I don't pres- presume myself to be a so-called proper author. I just write what I see, and hopefully it's humorous, detailed, factual, engaging, the lot, everything you'd want out of a book. But it's my first effort. I didn't even want to write on this subject. I wanted to write about mental health and men's identity. But a local author um, that I was put in touch with through a mutual friend said, do you know what? You need to be writing about the airlines because all these anecdotes you've got coming up that that's what you've got to write about and I did and it seemed to gush out I had it proofread and then I pressed the magic send on Amazon and there it is out in the big wide world the industry still captivates me I do things com- I, I've got completely different things going on now yes. um, I'm glad of it uh, because I don't th- there was a time that I thought if I don't leave now I just end up hating myself and hating it my mental health was a bit on decline myself but since leaving I'm like a frog on a lily pad. Um, I'm talking with my hands. I wish you could see this. Great. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's the Italian in me. Sorry, but the. Um, I, th- I think um, we'll get you on again, Simon, because I think we've we've a lot to talk about, and I think it's a case of I think the next time when people listen to this, I want to see you anyway. So it's thank you. It's, um, uh, I think they'll be they'll be very captivated with all the stories that you'll have have to. Uh, to tell them i mean it, it is it's it's, an, it, it's it's even challenging to hear today i mean it kind of brings back um not sound like an old man here but <laughs> some good some good meal you know, good during the you know during the, those times and no it, it'll yeah. bring back some good memories and don't get me wrong there is negatives to it as well and as yeah. you touched there but you know uh you know some people can experience mental health issues as well and mm. but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll move on to but what was your hardest challenge that you experienced you know working within the airlines and what, what what did you find the most difficult part? Three a.m. standbys. <laughs> no joking, joking. No, you you can live with those. No, it's fine. Um, I I found I suppose being candid here, and I think there'll be people out there who know exactly what I mean. When you go to an airline which has a reputation of being, say, one of the best in the world, and you go there, and all is not quite how it was portrayed and you're taking home less money than other people on different contracts 
and you find that the fleet you're on is kind of penalized we're supposed to be exemplary but we're penalized at the same time you start digging a little deeper you're finding out more things and more things and you're you're scrutinized your 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 fleet is not hated but it depends on the people but but sometimes people on other fleets look down at you and even i've been on the receiving end of people who've been damn right rude to me um not not even you know not that i'm besotted by rank far from it but you know a silver tie must count for something and yet yes. someone with a with a different colored tie is telling you pick that up it wasn't like that i said yeah i found it like it was you know on an airbus i found it like it was you know the straps were undone no harm done right. pick it up yeah put it back in oh and so i condescended and went yeah okay it must be a little bit difficult for you i'll certainly do it um but you I, I think that was the most difficult thing for me. I, I went I went to an airline. I was 11 years out of the industry, massive chunk, but I needed a job. And you'll see all this chapter 11. It's called Return to Base. And I thought, this, wow, this this could be really good. I was doing the sums thinking, I don't know if the money's going to quite work out, but I've got to do this to be back, you know, and enhance my CV again. And you go through it and you think, something's just not quite right with all this. This doesn't smell right at all. And then people, the, the brutal reality is for anyone thinking of joining the industry, yeah, it's going to be a bad time to join the industry at the moment. Um, if, there, if there are any openings at all, you know, lots of things folding at the moment. Uh, and it's not just the airline industry. Of course, it's greater than this, that, you know, whole, the whole bigger picture. But um, I, I, I think I had such high expectations. And then when I got through it, um, I mean, one of, one of my friends said, it's a load of shit, isn't it? And I just nodded my head. Uh, I, it was a job. I was grateful of a job. Uh, I was grateful for the fact that I'd be in charge of, of crew on really big airliners, you know, straight in, no hassle. I could be myself. But there was something inside me that was thinking, this is not long term at all. I, I'm just going to do my best here in the limited time that I think I can see myself doing it and leave and go and do something else. It was just disappointing, but it was just one of those things, you know. So when when did you decide then, and when was this like the bright spark, the light bulb moment that you just went, ah, you know, that's I it think, for me now. Um, I would be away from home quite a lot. It was difficult because my kids were, the eldest at the time would have been about 10, 11, and um, the youngest would have been about four. And it's not like I was away for huge extended periods of time, but at that, those young ages, they need the dad around to help, you know, help with the load. You know, you can't just have it all on mum. And I, I, I reckon I neglected them for a period of time. The light bulb moment for me was when I was, um, I was sitting on a, on a, uh, a jump seat waiting to take off somewhere. It was usually on long hauls. That I feel this, but not always long hauls. And I just used to wonder what it'd be like to wait for the plane to build up speed, reach out for the handle, rotate it at the point of rotation, jump out. Would I get sucked into the engine? Don't know. Okay. Would I? It's a, <laughs> yeah. yeah, cheery stuff. I know, but it was just a, it was but a daydream. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a daydream. But I contained all this stuff. I was very good at hiding it, or I thought sure. I was good at hiding it. Other times, I would just be looking at a work computer, you know, working out my roster at base, and just thinking, my heart is just not in this anymore. Um, if it, if it had happened to me 10, 15 years ago, maybe, but I, I don't think I can sustain this. I was doing a lot of traveling up and down the M4. I was knackered. I, I experienced fatigue. 
Uh, and all the while, I was still giving the best that I could to the people who worked alongside me and uh, the passengers, customers who flew with us. I was still giving the best. I upgraded people wherever I could. You can't do that. So one one captain on a, on a Daily Mail um, comment, I said, well, with, with respect, Buster, you're behind a closed door. Let me do what I think is right yeah. at the time. Sure. Um, you know, and that's just... That's just not how you do it. Well, I did it that way, and people still kept coming back and saying, "This is brilliant," you know. And we'll come, we'll we'll come and fly this airline again because we've yes. had such a great experience. Good customer service. Bigger, yep. Yeah, bigger picture. Uh, but yeah, I just did it until I until I could do it no longer, really. And I thought, no, I'm going to hand in my notice, and that was the big kind of step. I wish you could see my hands in front of me, like walking yeah. like a like out onto a tightrope that doesn't exist like indiana jones in that third <laughs> film where you know the, the night's there and, and there's no path and he <laughs> then he suddenly finds a path crossing the chasm it was like that so yeah. i didn't know what i was going into but i tell you something i'm so glad i made that leap i'm still i still love my time in the industry even through the bad times and, and they've they've made me they've built me up into who i am all the stuff all the crappy stuff you go through you work through and it builds character perseverance and hope so none of it is lost it lost or wasted and now i've realized that hang on a minute i can turn my hand to almost anything the only thing that's stopping me is the fear of failure in my head right and if i don't if i fail yeah so what i'll get back up and i'll try something else reinvention that's the key <laughs> uh, how about how about your family life i mean you mentioned there uh, briefly <clears throat> how did this affect if you you know you were going off on these trips and mm. uh, you know the, the, your wife was at home maybe with the kids i mean how, how did she feel because obviously we forget we talk a lot about or we hear a lot about you know mental health issues or mm. uh, crew maybe experiencing loneliness depression but we I say we, we, but generally it's actually the families are forgotten about a little bit, you know, yeah. the, the wife and the kids and even, even the parents, cause you don't really get to see them that much, depending on what type of schedule or operation yeah. would be long haul or medium haul uh, that you're yeah. on. So in, in, in your situation, how, how did your family cope? I think I underestimated how well my wife would cope. Um, she shouldered everything. Um, looking after kids, taking them to school. They're all primary school age or, or nursery age at the time. And um, it was hard. And and actually, it's a period of my life that we don't really talk about anymore. Um, but we've life has got so much better since then. Right. Way better. Way better. Immeasurably better. We're earning twice as much as we did a couple of years ago. Um, which is great, which is great. And it's not meant to, to sound, Hey, look at us, nothing of a sort, but you have to go through these hard points, um, retrain, requalify. Um, and actually it's, it's made us stronger. We actually hold our hands together more and we're, we're way more solid than we've ever been. Look, we still argue and fight and, you know, not literally fight, but mentally fight. Sure. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it didn't do us any favors that period of time, but it was i just realized you know what this industry probably probably is better suited for single people maybe but it's not to say you can't do it you've just got to work very hard at making it work for you if you're if you're married or in a partnership whatever and you've just got to be really robust do you think as well with um, you know the romance of the industry? There's always a romantic side of working within the aviation industry that if you do get involved with somebody else in a relationship 
that maybe they're not fully aware because they might look at say pilots or cabin crew and you're jetting off to these destinations and when they do become involved with you in a relationship they kind of go oh wow you know look at this and my boyfriend and my my girlfriend they do this and they have that excitement side but when the reality mm. kicks in it's um it's very different isn't it i think it is yeah um i mean one of my friends years ago baldy b Baldy B. <laughs> uh, Baldy B. I won't tell you why she was called Baldy B, but I'm sure you can probably put two and two together. That was That's that it. was her telling me. Anyway, she <laughs> she she worked for Virgin. What other airline could you work for? Anyway, Lisa Lisa, she used to say to me, Simon, crew will always will always only work with crew as in relationships. They only understand it. And yet even then crew bust up with crew. So there's no hard and fast rule. Right. Um I th- I think it's just very there, there is this glamorous side. Yes, doesn't my doesn't my, for example, doesn't my husband's a pilot. He works for Emirates, and he he does this, and uh, and and I'm based here, and we meet each other every two weeks. It is very very difficult um, to maintain these relationships. Uh, it's not impossible, but it's just difficult, and it's there is this kind of Hollywood esque thing about it. You know, it, it is quite funny. Even think of it now, you and I uh, guys out there, you know, the reality is different. You know, it's a smelly old airplane. <laughs> And it takes off and you, and you know, it's, it's actually daft. There's a first class or a business class or whatever in there, but you're separated by a couple of inches of airframe and then it's minus 50 outside. It's ludicrous. The whole blooming thing. Oh, it is, you, yeah. you, you get people parading in there. Where's my, where's my Kia Royale? Well, I'll tell you where your Kia Royale is, Mr. Man. It's just being made at the moment. Wait a minute. Okay. We will have it for you. It's, it's, just, it's, it's like a clash of two worlds. Um, it's a smarties tube going at 600 miles per hour. <laughs> you've got it. You've got it right. Actually, you should have seen the face of one of our instructors um, that she, she was doing an aircraft visit for us and, and it had been delayed several times and then we got us on board. And, and I just did one of my flippant sniffs. She was showing everyone around. Her face was like thunder when I said this, but I was just winding her up. I went, ah, it was, a, it was an A321. I said, ah, it's just another tube with seats in it and walked off. <laughs> she, honestly, she could have ripped my head off. But <laughs> She kept calm. The training, the training, Simon. The training, the training. <laughs> this blooming training you take it with you you take it with you and that's what i wanted to say a minute ago you you do there's nothing you can do about it you take this training in with you i've even been in charge of road traffic accidents um a a handful or or taking charge of first aid someone's collapsed on this on the street deployed people over there i said stand by you know i was even talking to my wife one day and she never let me forget it uh, she goes oh sorry i went stand by one <laughs> I said, i'm not an airliner you can't tell me to stand by i'm your wife i said okay but obviously stand by one we'll be there um roger over and out yeah roger yeah, yeah. <laughs> never worked out who roger was <laughs> so what, what advice can you give any anyone wanting to join the industry well, lie low now. That's it. Nothing. That's it. There'll be no more applications ever again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, do do you in short do your research? These these are strange times, obviously, giving this advice. But when I joined, we didn't have the internet to hand like we do now. You to have it on your phone, unthinkable. But uh, you, there's now no excuse to do your research. Get online and do as much as you can. Find out. It's a bit like just any any job interview. Just just do your homework and find out what they're after. Some people disagree about being yourself. 
I would say be yourself, but be the best version of yourself. If I was my, if I played myself, I would have got nowhere. <laughs> in the interviews. So be be a bit more restrained and conservative. You know, just bear in mind, you know, nice and level. Um, don't do anything wacky. I've done that in interviews as well before. It didn't do me any favours. Um, but somehow I, I I still got invited back. Oh dear. But yeah, but just, just do do your homework. And um, if you get rejected, if it's really, really what you want to do, keep persevering. I mean, guys, pilots out there and, and engineers, you will know what it's like to apply yourself to get your ratings, to do this, to do that. You oh, will yes. know in it's the ex- same it's way. It's an expensive hobby at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the same way, I, I didn't even know whether I wanted to be a lawyer. And I categorically, I'll say it again, I'm not a lawyer. I've been trained to lawyer level, but I didn't even get a training contract. There's so much competition. But be prepared for knockbacks, but keep dusting yourself up and keep going. Do not give up if it's what you want to do. In doing so, there's nothing to be said that you might find a different career by accident that you absolutely love. Like I'm, I'm in housing at the moment, um, in uh, construction. I've got a hard hat at work. I've lost, I've lost a red Indian and a motorcycle copper. So if anyone sees them out there, can you let me know? <laughs> but we go out on site, we do site visits. I jump in hedges, take photos, go on ArcGIS mapping. I love the fact that I've, I'm in a job. When I took it, I thought, oh gosh, I don't really want this job. It was a six month contract, but hey, presto, a couple of years on, I'm an integral part of the team. Um, and apparently they can't do without me till next week (laughs) 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 exactly i never thought working for a local authority would be interesting but oh my goodness the caliber of people that i'm working with it's unbelievable surveyors estate surveyors chartered surveyors builders project management uh construction engineers direct honestly the field out there is is just amazing so So there is life before and after aviation Absolutely, there is. Yeah. And I'm a staunch advocate for retraining. So like I said, the, I did the legal stuff that came to nothing. I was, a, I was an advocate. I used my legal training to help in housing association. I worked for but, um, before now because I was involved in housing. I jumped on a lily pad and ended up in the sort of more the construction and planning side for affordable housing in a local authority. I've just done a project management course, an APM course, um, which I've just recently found out is the standard qualification that can take you anywhere around the world for understanding project management methodology. God, the rubbish I talk. But anyway. No, go so on. I'm, I'm just waking up. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, bored, I bored myself. That's... But I'm, I'm waiting to see what the next bit will be. I might be in something completely different. And in fact, I'm sure I'll be in something completely different around the corner. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's um, you know, you're giving people an insight. I think, I think what we'll do is we'll, all the listeners, you know, uh, Simon has been very gratefully gave us his, his home address, his phone number, his email, and you can, you can contact him directly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out all oh, the information dear. you need. Do not visit our site whatsoever, Simon. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. don't. If, you, if you want drum lessons, now that's something completely different. But okay, hey. we, can, we, can organize, we can organize that as well. As a man, man of many times. So just, yeah. just to round it up before we, before we finish up. So give us the funniest story you ever had when working in the industry. What was the most wackiest thing? Oh, gosh. Well, well, the one, the one that sticks to mind after the mishaps of me, I nearly wrote off a plane. I was, doing, you know, the day I was doing handbrake skids. The same day I drove little, little. Johnny up to yeah yeah it was on it was to a Paris aircraft a Dash Eight <clears throat> waiting on the other side of the ramp of Bristol. I said he looked like he needed cheering up. This isn't the funniest story. There's one to come. Um, the and uh, he he said I looked at him. He's like really down in the mouth. Said, Do you want to see some handbrake skids? He goes yeah. I said watch this. And so we revved it up. Hit about thirty. Pulled up the handbrake. 
and we spun around three times and I just, I don't know how it happened, but the car stopped all by itself about a meter from the air stairs of the, of the dash that were built in. I would have written off a 10 million pound aircraft then if that had crashed in there. <laughs> but the other one was when, um, when uh, who I call Numbnuts, you read about him in the book. Uh, he always called me num- Numbnuts. <laughs> Closets of a clothes doll. I said, I'm not in a closet, Kev. Anyway, he, he, he went on and on. One day we were, we were in an ATR heading somewhere like Rotterdam or Antwerp. And he said, Numbnuts, what kind of underwear are you wearing, doll? I said, I ain't telling you. He goes, Numbnuts, don't be shy, doll. Anyway, on and on and on, like a wall of attrition until finally I pulled my trousers down, revealing my M&S hip-hugging hipsters or whatever they were in burgundy um and uh he, he just looked at me i said i said happy now and he just said hmm. and then i refastened my trousers and that was it I, I don't know if anyone has ever done that before i'm sure there's far more outrageous stories than that but it was one that stuck in my mind what, what's the plug with mns is it simply better which, which is mns yeah mns there's something about them i don't know where they get their undies made probably somewhere in wales i think they're good quality though are they oh they're great yeah 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 that's just i i mean i even swear by primark but honestly mns just have the edge okay so there's a plug for mns and primark they just have the edge on it oh dear (laughs) well simon it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you i'm sure we'll be talking to each other again i'm sure people will be delighted to uh to hear you back on uh, Aviation I with AviationZora.com. So if people want to buy your book, Journey of Relax. Uh, the the hard sell. The where hard can, where sell. can they get this wonderful bestseller? Well, it's uh, it's on Amazon, only on Amazon. So if you just type in Journey of a Reluctant Air Steward and you'll see a homemade book there. It's all very much a cottage industry. I don't know. I just, just thought I'll do it. And there it is out there. And uh, it's a tenner hardback, uh, sorry, paperback. And I think it's a fiver on uh, as a kindle ebook uh, just have a look see the description if you don't like the description don't buy it <laughs> <laughs> well we recommend it's a quite simple anybody that wants an insight into the industry uh with some exciting and enjoyable stories uh, we recommend you buy it uh, from amazon so thanks very much and we'll uh, talk again in the future david it's Simon. my pleasure my honor to be with you catch you soon Bye.